Thank you, Simon, and all the others. I don't know your names, but <laughs> thank you for leading us and uh, for doing that for us. Uh, good morning. It's great to be with you. And uh, I bring greetings from our home church, Drift Row Church in Clanfield, just outside Portsmouth, uh, the place where David was brought up. So if you've got anybody to blame, it will be them, because uh, they were the ones that uh, brought David up. But it's great to be here. And uh, it's also great to sing that song. You know, that song is written by John Daniels. John Daniels was in the church that I was brought up in. And uh, he's now in America, but uh, it makes you feel a bit at home because you know some of the things. But uh, we always feel at home here anyway, so it's lovely uh, to be here and to be with you all. Uh, we're going to turn in our Bibles to the book of Daniel this morning and this evening. Uh, we're going to go to Daniel in chapter 10. And we'll just read the first nine verses this morning, and there we will then continue this evening uh, with the rest of the chapter. Uh, so Daniel in chapter 10, and the first nine verses. In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was also called Belteshazzar. Its message was true. And it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat or wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions at all until the three weeks were over. On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold around his waist. His body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it. But such terror overwhelmed them that they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this great vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking. And as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face into the ground. And we give thanks to God for his word and pray that he will give us understanding and teaching from it. Let's just have a word of prayer before we begin to look into this passage. Lord, we do thank you for your word. We thank you that we have the inspired word of God in front of us this morning and in our hands. We thank you that we are able to read it freely. We thank you that every part of scripture is valuable, is profitable. And we thank you, Lord, that it teaches us. And we pray that today you will open these pages, these verses to us. We ask that you will indeed speak to us, teach us through it, we pray. And so we commend ourselves to you. Pray that we will hear your voice and that we will be obedient to what you are saying to us today. 
We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. When you think of the book of Daniel, you probably think of two particular stories. If uh, someone said, what's Daniel all about? You would probably say, oh yes, that's when uh, those three friends of Daniel uh, were taken and they were put into the fiery furnace. And then there was someone else walking with them. Or you might think of Daniel chapter 6 and say, that's when Daniel was put into the lion's den. And the lions didn't touch him because God was protecting him. And he was put there because he prayed every day, three times a day, even when he was told he shouldn't. But that's not it. They're great stories in Daniel. But if that's the only two stories uh, that you actually know about in Daniel, then uh, we miss so much because the book of Daniel is an amazing book. In Daniel chapter 1, we have Daniel and other young men taken into exile, taken to Babylon. And that's where Daniel would have to stay. And of course, we know that there's this 70 years of exile, uh, which happens in chapter 1. In Daniel chapter 2, you have Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And you have history panned out. You have how that Babylon, which was the ones that took them captive, would then be taken over by the Medo-Persians and then the Greek Empire and then the Romans. And it all happened. In fact, the book of Daniel is so exact that uh, the critics would say it must have been written after the event because it's too exact. It it can't have been written before. Because we know that it was written before, and we know that when the Lord gives insight and prophecy, it all comes true. Everything that he says will happen, will happen. And here in this particular chapter, uh, Daniel is about to have another vision We actually read in the third year of Cyrus, the king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel. Now, we're not going to deal with that revelation. It's all in chapter 11. But just to give you an idea, basically it's about wars all around Israel, or at least to the north and to the south of Israel. And these wars are going on to the north and south of Israel. And you can read all about it in Daniel 11. And the king of the north would try and get an agreement with the king of the south. And if they couldn't, they'd uh, marry off their daughters. So that it might actually give them uh, some kind of peace treaty. But then at the end of Daniel chapter 11, uh, you have what is yet to come. You have uh, the kings of the north coming against Israel and the kings of the south coming against Israel. Uh, And uh, if you like prophecy, then read Daniel 11. Who's north of Israel? Well, north of Israel, you have China and Russia, and they will come against Israel. Still to come. And who's south? Well, you have Iran and Egypt coming against Israel. Still to come. Amazing prophecies that you have in Daniel 11. But Daniel is a man just like you, or a person just like you and me. We sometimes get an idea that these great people in the Bible are just super people and that they never have any problems and that they're they're just different to us, but they're not. They're just the same as us. And although Daniel is about to have this amazing vision of chapter 11, as we are reading chapter 10, we actually see the humanness of Daniel. And it says here, In verse 2, at that time, I, Daniel, Daniel talking in the first person, I, Daniel, mourned 
for three weeks. So our first point this morning is that we see here in this chapter that Daniel is praying and is mourning. You might say, well, well, this great man Daniel that was not fearful about praying, this great man Daniel that, that was in the lion's den, you mean that he gets down? You mean that Daniel is someone that is, is praying and mourning? Yes. Daniel is no different to us. He's just a human who trusts God. And here we see that Daniel at this time is mourning, and he's mourning for three weeks. Now we know that Daniel is praying because, as we'll see in more detail tonight, in verse 12, it says there at the end of verse 12, your, your words were heard and I've come in response to them. So his words were heard. He was praying and his words were heard. Sometimes when you pray, you think, Do you know, I, I'm not sure if they've just hit the ceiling and come back down. But God does hear our prayer. And here, his words were heard. So Daniel is praying, and he's always praying, isn't he? And his words were heard. In fact, if you go back to chapter 9, you'll see that Daniel is pleading with God that soon this 70 years of exile might be over. He's a great man of prayer. But here in this chapter, he feels down. He's mourning. He ate little, it says. Daniel mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice foods, no meat, no wine touched my lips. I used no lotion at all until the three weeks were over. He, no, he didn't actually uh, use any skin treatment or fragrance of any kind. Possibly his friends might have been glad of social distancing. He just didn't do anything. He was just so low. He didn't feel like eating. He didn't feel like washing. He didn't feel like doing anything. And yet he's focused on praying. He's still praying for his people. So as he prays, he's mourning. Now, why, why is he mourning? What is wrong with Daniel? What, what has taken him down a level? Well, it could be a couple of things. We don't know. We're not told. But it may be because so few of the Jews that had been in exile for 70 years were going back to Jerusalem because they're allowed to go back now. Ezra chapter 1 and verse 3, King Cyrus, that's the time we're in, King Cyrus decreed that any may turn, return to Jerusalem, any may go back and start to rebuild the temple. If you read Ezra chapter 2, you have a whole list of those that return back. There was just under 50,000 people. There was a minute percentage of people that could have gone back. And as Daniel reflects on that, maybe he's just so low. All the people that could go back now to Jerusalem from exile, and they, and they just don't want to know. They're just not going back. That sound familiar today? When we see all the people around us, and we know that they desperately need to return to the Lord, they need to ask him for salvation, and we see minute amount of people returning to the Lord, coming back to him and asking for salvation. Does it? make us mourn? Does it make us want to pray more? Do we say, why won't these people just see the light? 
Why won't they turn to the Lord, the only one that can help them? That could well be what Daniel was going through here. But maybe it was because he'd heard that the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem was also having severe opposition. People were trying to stop them. And you can again read that in Ezra chapter 4, verse 4. The people around them, they set out to discourage the people to stop building the temple that they had gone back to. And the people were afraid to go on building. And Daniel, not only was there not many going back, but those who had gone back were just not doing the building anymore. I wonder whether we feel like that. We mourn and we pray because of the severe opposition towards the work of God today. People would just love to stop us from proclaiming the gospel. They would love to stop us from working for the Lord. Opposition. And there's Daniel walking and he's low. I, Daniel, I mourned for three weeks. I didn't eat much. I didn't wash much. I didn't use any lotion for three weeks. Sometimes we almost seem to not care. But as Christians, we should be so caring, so at prayer that the work of God can go on and that we need to witness for him. And so Daniel here at this point, he is there and... uh, He's praying and mourning. But then we see, secondly, that Daniel is walking and he's reflecting. It goes on and says, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the river, the Tigris, I looked up and there before me was a man dressed in linen. He was walking and he was reflecting. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris. This is about April in our calendar. So you're going out for a nice spring walk. And you would probably, if you could, maybe walk along a lovely river by the riverbank. I'm sure we've all done it. And there he was, walking along and reflecting on what was going on. You know, sometimes we can find closeness with our Lord as we walk along maybe a riverbank in the countryside. And here Daniel is walking along this river. But this isn't any ordinary river, is it? He's actually walking along a great river. It's the River Tigris. Do you remember where this river began? It comes out of the Garden of Eden. If you go right back to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 10, there we have a river watering the garden, flowing from Eden, and from there it separates into four headwaters. And Genesis 2 and verse 14, the name of the third river is the Tigris. So Daniel is walking along the Tigris, one of the rivers that's coming out from where the Garden of Eden was. What a place to walk close to God. You might have your favorite place to go when you're feeling a bit low. Maybe there's a certain place and you can find closeness to God. Well, Daniel was here standing on the river, maybe reflecting on the great creator of all things, maybe reflecting on his life and what he'd been through, maybe reflecting on the situation in Jerusalem. We also know that he had some friends there with him. 
Daniel was there with some friends. You know, there's nothing like a friend when you're feeling a bit low, is there? You know, as Christians, we can do some wonderful things by just picking up the phone and saying to someone, I'm praying for you. A close friend. A friend can help people through a difficult time. Closeness of friend. And here we have Daniel with his friends there by this river as he's walking and as he's reflecting on life and all that's going on. But as Daniel is there, we then begin to see something that happens. Daniel then looks up and gazes at something. So thirdly, Daniel is looking up and gazing. Because in verse 5, it says here, I looked up, and there before me was a man, dressed in linen, with a belt of the finest gold round his waist. So Daniel had been mourning and had been upset for three weeks. What do you do when you feel down? You probably look down. You just look at the ground and you walk around. You know, children are brilliant at that, aren't they? You know, if they want you to think that they're really upset, ooh. and they look down and they have a downness of their mouth and everything else, and they look down. You know what you need to do when you feel low? You need to look up. Because that's where your help is. And Daniel, he now looks up. He looked up, and who did he see? Well, verse 5 and 6 gives us a full description of what he saw. So let's just read it, because it's important to get this in our mind. And so here he is, and he's on the river, and in verse 5, I look up, and there before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of the finest gold around his waist, his body was like chrysolite, his face like lightning, his eyes like, his, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze, and his voice like the sound of a multitude. Who do we have here in front of Daniel? Well, I think we have in front of Daniel here the Lord himself. The Lord knows what's going on in Daniel's life. The Lord knows that Daniel might be feeling a little bit low. And the Lord is now in front of Daniel. Why do I say that? Well, if you turn to Revelation chapter 1, we have John who is exiled to the Isle of Patmos because of his Christian faith. That's why he's there. And in, uh, John, in Revelation chapter 1... And uh, verse 13, we have there someone walking among the lampstands. Revelation chapter 1 and uh, verse 12, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, with a golden sash around his chest. His head and hair were like wool, as white as snow. His eyes were like blazing fire, feet like bronze, glowing in a furnace, and his voice like the sound of rushing, rushing water. And we have a description here of what John saw on the Isle of Patmos. 
Now think about these two descriptions that we have here. John, in Revelation, he saw this person with a long robe reaching to his feet. What did Daniel see? He saw a man dressed in linen. John sees a man with a golden sash around his chest. Daniel sees a man with a belt of finest gold around his waist. John sees someone with eyes like blazing fire. Daniel sees someone with eyes like flaming torches. John sees someone with a face that is brilliant, shining like the sun. Daniel sees someone whose face is like lightning. John hears a voice that sounds like rushing water, or in Revelation 19, 6, a sound of a great multitude. Daniel hears a voice that sounds like a great multitude. I think Daniel is seeing Jesus. John saw Jesus because in Revelation 1.18 says, I am the living one, I was dead, but behold, I'm alive forevermore. So we know that John saw Jesus. But the description is so similar. And so Daniel is there on the river. He's going through a bit of a rough patch. But Jesus knew. Jesus knew what he was going through. And he appears to him as he's there by this river. But it's interesting if you go back to Daniel, that in verse 7 it says, I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. The men with me did not see it, but terror overwhelmed them. Only Daniel saw this. Daniel was the one who needed the Lord to encourage him and appear to him. The other man didn't see it at all. But there was something going on because they began to get overwhelmed with terror. It overwhelmed them and they fled. They just went from this presence of the Lord. What was going on? Do you know that that's exactly what happens when people are in a in a service where God begins to speak. They just can't wait to get out the door because they think then they'll be able to escape. They're just overwhelmed with with the presence of God in a meeting. Has that been you? Many a time you've sat in a meeting and the gospel is being preached and you, you know that you should give your life to Jesus. You know that you should ask him to forgive you and come into your life. And you, you have that feeling that you need to do something about it. But you just think, if I could just get outside the door, I'll be able to just put it behind me. Don't do that anymore. If you hear the Lord speaking to you, ask him to come in and take your life, make you a Christian. The presence of a holy God could be felt in that place. And so the other people, well, they just went. But there was Daniel. He's the only one that saw this vision of Christ. Does this remind you of uh, Saul on the road to Damascus who became Paul? There he was. He wanted to go and persecute the Christians. And God met him. And he was the only one. You see, in Acts chapter 9 and 7, the men traveling with Saul, who became Paul, stood there speechless. They heard the sound, 
but they did not see anyone. Daniel and Saul, who became Paul, and John, they had personal encounters with Jesus. They suddenly saw Jesus. You know, we all need to have a person, personal encounter with Jesus. While Daniel was in mourning, the Lord came alongside him. Whatever you're going through today, the Lord wants to come alongside you to hold your hand through this difficult time. He's the one who can. He's the one who wants to help. And here Daniel suddenly sees Jesus. Had Jesus forgotten him? No. Has Jesus forgotten you if you're going through a difficult time? No. He's always there. He's always there. And Daniel looks and he's amazed as he looks at this person in front of him. There's a hymn you're going to sing later, which says this, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene, and I wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. But he does. He loves you. And so Daniel, he says, I was left alone gazing at this vision. And then something happens to Daniel because in verse 8, I was left alone gazing at the vision. I had no strength left. My face turned deathly pale and I was helpless. As Daniel looked at this vision, his strength just left him. His body just felt so weak. His face turned pale. He just felt helpless. In the awesome presence of God, he felt just so humbled and so helpless. I wonder whether you have ever lifted your eyes up like Daniel and seen Jesus. Not that you'll get a vision like Daniel, but have you ever lifted your eyes up and looked at Jesus on the cross? You won't see him there with a sash You'll see him there on the cross with blood flowing down his face, with a crown of thorns pushed into his brow. You'll see him there with a back like a ploughed field, and you'll see him there crucified on the cross. You might want to turn away, but when you look at Jesus on a cross, he's there because of your sin. He's there because of my sin. And he's dying on the cross and he's saying, I want to save you. I want to save you from death and hell. Will you just ask me to take your sin away and make you a Christian? But you have to respond. And you have to say, thank you, Lord, for doing that for me. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Take my sin away. Make me a Christian. Make me yours. Have you ever done that? You see, if you actually... Stop and really realize what Jesus did for you and how he suffered on that cross. You'll be like Daniel. You'll begin to actually feel like Daniel. You'll feel absolutely so humble. You'll think of myself, I'm absolutely useless. I can't save myself. Jesus has, or Jesus will. You'll see Jesus there and your, your face will almost turn pale like Daniel. You'll, you'll want to almost turn away. 
the awfulness of crucifixion. But you will realize that Jesus loves you. If you're going through a difficult time and you don't know Jesus, you're facing it alone. But if you're going through a difficult time and you know Jesus, he's there to hold your hand and to help you and strengthen you. Daniel looked up and gazed on Jesus, the one who could help him. Why not ask the Lord to come into your life and be that person for you, that saviour for you? We don't know what lies ahead in life, but if we have Jesus with us, he's there. He's there to take us through. We're just like Daniel. Daniel, this great man, yes, he needed Jesus to help him, and so do we. But then as we go finally, our final point, we see that Daniel is spoken to, and he's just overcome. If you go back to our chapter, verse 9, we see that then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. Now, a lot of pastors have had this happen to them. When you're speaking to them, you suddenly see people begin to go into a deep sleep. And, you know, but this is Jesus talking to Daniel. Then I heard him speaking. And, both, and all three, Daniel, Paul, and John, they heard Jesus speaking, didn't they? And they listened. The Lord does speak today. Maybe not in an audible voice, but certainly through his word. When you read his words, when you're in church and someone's speaking in a pulpit like I am here, God is speaking to you. And here we see that Jesus is speaking. And this voice is speaking to Daniel. The Lord spoke to Daniel and Daniel was listening to him. See, Psalm 85 and verse 8 says this, I will listen to what God the Lord will say. Then it goes on. He promises peace to his people, to his saints. It's important that we as Christians pick up our Bible every day and see what God has to say to us. But particularly when we go through difficult times, pick up the Bible. See what God has to say to you. He wants to speak to you. Psalm 85 and verse 8. He wants to speak to you. Listen to what God will say. He promises peace. He promises his people peace. And Daniel is here and he's listening. And in verse eight, uh, verse 9, as I listened, I fell into a deep sleep. Now this is, I don't think, any ordinary sleep. He's basically being consoled and he's actually beginning to get peace in his life. You know, if you listen to the other verses that we read in uh, Revelation chapter 1, John had that revelation. And what did John do in chapter 1 and verse 17? Revelation 1, 17. John fell at his feet as though dead. The awesomeness of God fell at his feet as though dead. When we hear the voice of God, we will want to bow humbly before him. When God speaks to us, we will want to bow and we will want to listen and we will want to obey what he has to say to us. Humbly bow the knee before him. Now the Lord's voice is a voice of authority and a commanding voice. He's the one who made everything, the, the creation of the world. He's the creator of the world. 
He's got a commanding voice, a voice of authority. But he's also got that voice of peace and comfort. And as he comes near, he says, look, my peace is sufficient for you through this situation. Daniel, I know you're feeling low. You're mourning. You're going through a difficult time. But my peace is sufficient for you. I'm here. I'm with you. And this voice just gave Daniel that comfort he needed. And as he listened to the Lord, he fell into a deep sleep. Have you ever wanted to go to sleep and can't? Start to pray. Ask the Lord to help you and comfort you. And here Daniel went into this sleep, face to the ground, as he had this peace from God. Many times Jesus, when he was on earth, said to people, go in peace. When people were brought to him and uh, they were accused of being sinners, he would tell them to go in peace. If you ask the Lord to forgive you your sin and make you a Christian, you know you can go in peace. All is forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. Go in peace. In fact, Jesus said, didn't he, in John 14, 27, My peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. This morning, as we draw to a close, we see here that the Lord knew just what Daniel needed. He knew that he was low. He knew that he was walking along the side of a river. He knew where he was. And so he appeared to him and he spoke to him. The Lord knows where you are in your life. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. And he just wants you to just listen to his voice. He wants to give you peace that the world cannot understand. But if you're not a Christian, you haven't got any peace in your heart at the moment. You've actually never asked the Lord to forgive your sin, and you know that you're actually not ready for heaven. Wouldn't you love to go out from this service this morning knowing peace in your heart? I'm actually going to heaven. I know I'm going to heaven. That's what the Lord wants to give you too. He wants you to say to him, Lord, I am so sorry for my sin. My life is a mess. Or even if you don't think you're a big sinner, you know you are a sinner. Lord, will you just forgive my sin? I can't get to heaven on my own. Cleanse me from my sin. Make me a Christian. And you can go out these doors having peace with God and knowing you're on your way to heaven. Wouldn't you want that? Prayer of the people here, prayer of me, is that all of us today will know that peace in our hearts. And if you don't know the Lord, you can call upon him right now. You can look in your mind's eye and see Jesus on the cross. You can see him there in your place. and You can say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for doing that for me. Take my sin away and give me peace. And as Christians, we will go through tough times. But Jesus is always there. He was for Daniel. He will be for you. Just trust him. 
He will help you. And he will guide you through. What a wonderful saviour we have. Let's pray together. Lord, we do thank you for this part of Daniel, where we see Daniel just as human as we are. This great man of God, and yet we see him walking along the riverside, mourning for three weeks, feeling low. But Lord, we thank you that you came alongside him, and we thank you that you built him up, that you spoke to him. Lord, we thank you that you never forget us. You never leave us or forsake us, and help us, we pray, as Christians, to just rejoice in the fact that you're there every day with us. And if we don't know you today, Lord, we pray that you might help us to cry out for salvation while there is time. And so we thank you for your word and pray that you'll continue to help us to think upon it. If we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening we carry on in this chapter. If you're able to be with us, we'll be looking at the angels that appeared to Daniel or that are in this chapter, good and bad ones. So I encourage you to come along. It's an exciting chapter, and we're going to carry on tonight looking at Daniel chapter 10. But we're now going to sing a hymn, and as we do this, you have to prepare yourself for communion, to tear off your top of your little cup, and we're going to sing... I stand amazed in the presence. This is what Daniel was doing. He was standing amazed in the presence of Jesus. And today we do the same. And as we prepare our hearts for communion, we actually, again, look at what Jesus did for us. We stand amazed in the presence of Jesus and Nazarene. And we wonder how he could love us, sinners condemned unclean. So we'll stand and we will sing this together. <laughs> 